Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. Let's continue our teaching, the one we had last time. If you were here last time, you'll remember that we began to speak about the pursuit and the use of faith. All right? And I just want to repeat some things again and again because we can't see these things enough. Sometimes you'll be amazed at what you have said so many times that some people have not heard them again, you know, yet or assimilated the point. So that's why Ken Hagin said, where there's no repetition, people are not established. So we have to establish the saints of God in the truth of God by going over things again and again. Now, I'll try my best not to preach the whole message again, but let me just remind us of a few statements we made. I said, let's not ever forget, faith is a spiritual substance. You know, there's something I like about science. Being a science background person, I learned a lot about the way physical substances or quantities are. So that you see sound is a form of energy. Are you getting my point? Electricity is a form of energy. Heat is a form of energy. And these things are interconvertible. In the same manner, a lot of spiritual traits we find, they are interconvertible. And the basic substance is what the Bible calls life. And that's that thing that was in Christ. So life in you can manifest as faith. What I'm going to explain is the fact that these are spiritual quantities, which means that we can acquire them and we can lose them. And our responsibility as believers is to ensure that that faith, that spiritual quantity of faith is up to par in our hearts. It's up to the correct level. It's important we remember the thing we said before when I talked about the fight against unbelief. And when I talk about total faith, I explained that God wants to do something does not mean it will happen automatically. If there is no faith in your heart, if faith is not mixed with the promises of God, you will not find manifestation concerning that promise on the earth. God wills something, does not mean it will happen automatically. God may want you to prosper. He may want you to live long. He may want to heal your diseases totally. But except you activate those promises by faith, you will not find a manifestation. Our experiences are not automatically the will of God. The will of God has to be downloaded and converted. Like I call it 3D printing. Like I was talking about it on Tuesday. For those who are up to date with technology, you know what they call 3D printing. You can have a template in heaven and you have to 3D print the blessing on the earth. And the method by which you do that is through faith. He said the word preached did not profit them. Why? It was not united, mixed with faith in the hearts of those who heard it. So it's very important for us believers to realize that it's not just what we feel or what we have experienced. It is the mixing of faith with the promises of God that lets us know what, what the will of God really for our life all right, for our lives might be. That is not just, I, I didn't get this, so God didn't want me to have it. My life was not like this because God didn't want it. No. God says, even if do I want your life to be like that, if it's not united with faith, it will not happen. So, the promise, the children of Israel, I am taking you out of Egypt into the promised land. But we read it from the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and into chapter 4, that the word head did not profit them. 
didn't bless them because faith was not available in their hearts. So that's why I've been teaching for a long time now on this faith matter. So that we will know, because I said something, some, I don't know which one of the messages, that even if God wants you to do something on the earth, listen to this, let me say it again. Even if God wants you to do something on the earth, that is, for example, you are a preacher, and God says, go and bless people with my word. Or you are a, a businessman, God says, look, go and build businesses, and employ people, and transform the nation, and do things. Even though that's what he wants to do. It still requires you. It doesn't say because I'm the one that you are doing it for. So it will not happen automatically. Which is a mistake we make sometimes as people. We think that if God just wants something, especially if it's for you I'm doing it to God, you know. It's because of you I'm doing all of this. So God will just supply automatically. No, it doesn't work like that. When God sent Moses to go and deliver the people of Israel on the way, because Moses not followed the rules, God himself said, I have to judge this man and kill him until he began to follow the rules. God did not say, just because I'm the one you are working for, therefore, no matter, no matter what you do, what I want done will still happen. No, it doesn't work like that. He still puts the responsibility on us to activate the promises to obey him by faith. And that's why last time when we were reading from that Hebrews chapter 11, we read extensively, you find out that number one thing people did with faith, all right, was to obey God. God did not confer obedience upon them by force because it was his word they were supposed to be obeying. He said, if you are going to obey me, it must be by faith. People had to activate obedience by faith so that they can please God, even though God wanted them to please him. Very important. So if God says, do this, he say you still have to activate those promises by faith. And if you don't do it, you will be held responsible. The day of judgment, they say, did you fulfill the will of God for your life? Did you fulfill the plan of God that he had for giving you life? And the answer is, no, you did not. If you say, why? He said, because you were, were you not there when they jacked off well from 87 Naira in one day. All right, and declared that from now on, four shall be a maximum of 145. Now, were you not there when he said that? Were you not there when dollar went from 120 in less than 24 months? We are buying it for 320. Were you not there? These are the reasons why we can't broadcast anymore. These are the reasons why we cannot, all right, do what we are supposed to do. And the Lord is looking at you. So when you are done, he said, 10 strokes, give him. All right, put him down, put him somewhere at the corner. Don't let him have any mansion that they are all deceiving themselves that they are reserving for them. Why? <laughs> Why? Why is he not getting the proper reward? Because he didn't do the work. Oh, God, but I gave you excuses. Listen to me, excuses don't work with God. And why he won't accept the excuses is that, listen, I gave you the promise. Why did you not activate the promise by faith? That is, activating the promise is your responsibility. You cannot say, because it is me that gave you the promise, it should come to pass if I wanted it. No, we must understand the mind of God. He says, this is your duty, it's my duty to activate the promises by faith. Please, I hope you are getting the point I'm making. So that what I'm trying to emphasize, that's why faith is very important. And that's why we have been looking at it again and again. I want to recommend again, please go and listen to this series, The Fight Against Unbelief. Because then I explain something. All right? There's something I used to think about before. We all just, as, uh, we just all assume that darkness is the absence of light. Remember that? That's how most people look at it. That once you shine light, darkness runs away. And there's a lot of truth to that, but that's not the whole truth. We read from Genesis chapter 1 that when God said, light be, there was light. Then he came forth and separated the light from the darkness. Which means that the presence of light does not mean darkness has gone. Do you get my point? There must be a deliberate effort to separate light from darkness in our lives. And this is how it happens. I mean, in, in physics now, they've discovered what they call dark matter. Dark matter is out there. That's just the reality. You have to deliberately separate light from darkness. 
What is darkness? And that's why Paul had to explain what relationship has light with darkness. Come out from amongst darkness and be separate. That is, there is possible for darkness to exist with light. We just assume that once you find light, darkness must be gone. No, it doesn't work like that. What you do is that if you find light, then you deliberately kill darkness. Light comes in, darkness tries to choke it. That's just the way it works. Now, I'm going to explain something here. So you find out that faith and unbelief, they are not just... It's not as if once there is no faith, then that means there is unbelief. No. Faith can be there, and unbelief is coming to kill it. And that's why we did this series, the fight against unbelief. That the unbelief is a force in itself. Unbelief are the reasons why the thing that God said, these are, this is understanding you have of why they should not come to pass. That's unbelief. You have to fight against it. Alright? So, please go and listen to that series again. But now we are talking about faith. How do we get this faith? That's what we've been talking about. Faith, I've explained, is a spiritual quantity. It's something we can measure. It flows. Faith is not, let me say it again, it's not a method. It's not if you declare ten times in the morning, it means you have faith. Alright? And things will work. It is possible for you to declare, for you to declare 100 times, and it is not a manifestation of faith. Because the fact that you are speaking does not mean faith is inside the heart. It is faith that is inside the heart that gets the results. It is just that when faith is in the heart, one of the manifestations of faith that's in the heart is talk, is with the words that we speak. So I'm going to emphasize again, faith is not a method. Faith is not the mechanism. Faith is a real spiritual substance which we can, as it were, go to fetch. We can decide, let me take a cup of faith and drink it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You can take a cup of faith and drink it. And when faith is inside your heart, then when God says something, it makes sense to you. I don't know whether I get the point. It is the ability to accept what God has said. When it's inside your heart, when the word comes, it mixes with faith, then it profits you. If the word of healing comes and it enters into you and it finds faith in your heart, it automatically becomes medicine and it cures all your ailments. If the word of God comes and it meets faith in your heart, it becomes prosperity for your soul. If the word of God comes, it meets faith in your heart, it becomes protection for you in the time of difficulty. Let me explain something here. Listen. Hmm? If what God wanted to do will happen, whether you are afraid or not, God wouldn't bother saying fear not. Please, I hope you are following me. If you fear, what God will do in your life will not happen. And that's why he starts his conversation to those who are afraid. Fear not. He now says, only believe. Are you getting my point? Because fear can hinder what he wants to do. Does he know I'm saying this? The blessing that God wants to pass to you, even in the, in the midst of an adversity. Because for you as a believer, even adversity has a blessing. Are you getting my point? That's why Habakkuk said it, even if oil price goes up, I must rejoice in the Lord. You know what I mean? I must, I must joy. I must rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. I must be happy. That's why Paul said, rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Anytime the Bible says something twice, it means it's very important. I'm going to read Job. I mean, Joseph said that to Pharaoh. How many times do you say you dreamt it? Two times. One about stock, the other one about cattle. He said, that means God wants to do it quickly. So when God says rejoice, again I say rejoice. No matter the news you hear, you must break forth with rejoicing. Even Jesus said, when you see calamity around, still rejoice, look up, your salvation is near. Your redemption draws near. What am I saying of these things? Because if we don't deliberately, all right, walk by faith, what God wants to do will not happen. 
And then we'll go down the way everybody said we'll go down. And we'll all say we said so. We look at it as proof that we were right. No, what we actually did is by our response, we inactivated what God wanted to do. I hope you are getting my point here. That's why we are going over it again and again. This faith matter is crucial. Do you get my point? Now, this point we made last time, okay, having said that is, remember, faith has a reason. We read from the book of, that is what God designed it for, why he's giving it to us. We read from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Um, let's not bother to open to that now. But if we read that, you will see that the summary of it was that people used faith to obey God. It was a stimulus for obedience. It was not the way by which they met their own needs. Are you getting my point? It was the way by which they obeyed God. It was the way by which they executed the purpose of God for their lives. And it was the way by which they activated God's promises. Uh, examples we have is that we say that Abel, by faith, offered up a particular sacrifice with which he pleased God. Noah, by faith, he prepared the ark of God, all right, with which he saved his family and the animals that were with him. Abraham left a, 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 a responsible, civilized society for a nomadic, a nomadic life, and the Bible says it was by faith. By faith, all these people obeyed God. Moses, his parents, remember, we said they obeyed the visions of God, which an angel obviously gave to them, and then they hid Moses. Moses, when he went into the wilderness, it wasn't out of fear. We said it was because of faith. It wasn't as if he was afraid of Pharaoh. He was walking by faith. We saw how Rahab, all right, by faith, she obtained deliverance for herself and her family. These things were poured into their heart, or faith was poured into the hearts of these people. And by that, the promise of God was activated. That is what faith does. Faith is not something you just get up and use to get the kind of results that you want. And that's what I'm trying to emphasize. All right? Remember last time I emphasized that there's a difference between spiritualism or spiritism and spirituality. And that's the point I'm going to take off from. What is spiritualism or spiritism? Which one do we use? Let's choose one. Spiritualism. Oh, spiritism. Now you've caused more confusion for me. All right. Oh, no. I've used spiritualism on that message before. So let's use spiritualism. Now, let me just emphasize to us again what I mean by spiritualism. I said, I discussed this last time, I just want to summarize in a few sentences. The fact that you are operating spiritual principles and you are getting results does not mean God is working with you. The reason is because God has already set certain issues in life. He already set certain laws. And you can activate and use those laws to get things. And we took our example from the book of Genesis. We saw that when these people wanted to build um, the Tower of Babel, build the, the, the city and the tower. God said, since they are united, that's one spiritual principle, unity. All right? He said, it will not be, nobody will be able to stop them from doing that which they have imagined. Second spiritual principle, imagination. He said, so if human beings put three things together, one, imagination, two, unity, and three, effort into what they want to do, it will happen. And God said, even I would not be able to stop it. He said, so what do I need to do? I have to break one of these principles out of their lives, all right, so that the thing will not work for them again. So he said, which one do we break? Is that of unity. So let's go and scatter their tongue 
So what God did was to give them different languages so that they didn't understand each other anymore. Their purpose in life began to change. One man will say, let's go to the left. Another one says, it is right that we should go to. That was what made it impossible for them to build that tower. But if God did not do that, and the people had continued in unity, if the Lord didn't do that, and they had continued with their imagination, and they now put their effort into what they wanted to do, the fact is that they will have built the, 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 uh, the tower, and they will have built the city. The, the, that's the fact. So we said last time, the fact that we are getting a particular result is not proof that that's what God wants us to do. So how do we differentiate it? That's why we stopped. How do we differentiate it? It's simple. God's word must be our imagination. God's word must be our meditation. Because what people sometimes, when they are trying to practice spiritualism, without realizing is that they take your meditations away from the word of God. They take your imaginations away from what God has said or the visions, or the plans that God granted for you to know, they take those things away, and as a result, what you now focus on are other things apart from that. For example, they now say, draw a picture of the girl you want to marry and put it on the wall. The girl is not the word of God. That has left spirituality and has gone to spiritualism. So you see, that picture, if I take a picture of the car I want and I put it on the wall, and I start looking at it every day, let's be careful that we don't start worshipping things though. Listen, anything you are focusing on every day that has become your worship, object of worship. Somebody now says, put the picture on the wall every day and be looking at it. You put the picture there and you look at it every day. The truth is that eventually the thing will come to pass. And that's why we make the mistake. We now start testifying that it came to pass. It means that it works. And I'm saying it works does not mean it's God. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. It is not everything you think about that God accepts. For example, the people in Babel, they were thinking of the tower, and they were thinking of the city. Those imaginations were not acceptable. Even though the Lord said, it will come to pass. Why are we saying this? Faith was not given to us. The knowledge of spiritual principles all right, wasn't given to us so that we'll be able to execute just anything we want. No. Faith we saw in the scriptures was used to activate the promises of God, to obey God, even if what he's telling us to do doesn't seem good to our body. We don't feel like doing it. But by faith, we'll go to the cross even, if, even though the cross looks like a difficult thing. That's what faith does. When we oppress spiritualism, we end up in life oftentimes walking away from the will of God. I have seen people that had horrible, horrible, horrible with a capital H marriage, or marriages. All right? I've seen them. And when you look at the woman, the man got, it was exactly what he asked for. I want her to be from this particular local government. She came from there. I want her to be this particular height. She was that height. I want her to have this particular kind of body. She had it in abundance and extra. So that if the man wanted to testify, he would say to you, this was exactly what I began, all right, to imagine. And I focused on it until it crystallized. The thoughts of my heart became flesh. Spiritual things becoming flesh is a principle. When you want to form thoughts and ideas, base them on God's word. So that if somebody says, why is it that you are doing this, or you are asking for this, you will say, because it is written. 
without realizing this particular principle of spirituality and spiritualism. Do you know, just as I'm saying it, I realize that if you've read my book, should I say yes? I explain the principle inside there. I never asked God whether my wife would be tall or short, fat or slim. It was not discussed. I had three principles, three points, which I asked God for. And they were things that you couldn't paint on the wall. I said to the Lord, please. One, my wife, I, I didn't ask God, please, I want to marry a Christian. Why should you ask God you want to marry a Christian? I don't know whether you're getting my point. What were you going to marry before? It's like saying, God, please make sure the wife you are giving me is not a chimpanzee and is not a gorilla. I don't like giraffe. They are too tall for the building. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. Is that a valid prayer point? That the girl will be a Christian was not a prayer point. I can't pray such prayers. If I pray it, I should be flogged. Say, Lord, as I'm coming to you, I want to ask you, give me a Christian wife. God say, eh, I, I forgive you, Boko Haram wife. <laughs> I mean, those are not prayer points. Christian people be, let me say that, eh, Pastor, pray for me that I'll marry a Christian husband. I say, Pastor, pray, pray for you. Pray for you. <laughs> so the issue is that if I didn't pray for you, what would you marry? A Hindu husband. That was not a prayer point. As a matter of fact, that was not a prayer point. First prayer point was, Lord, I want somebody who loves the word. Because the truth is that most believers don't. They don't. They are so much into religion. Have you gone to church on Sunday? And if they see you at home on Sunday morning, they will think you killed Jesus again. Cross night, that's crossover service. 31st until 1st. If you are not in church, they say, that guy, I don't understand him at all. Me, I'm not marrying him. Meanwhile, this guy you are looking at, in the last 10 years, I don't think I've attended more than three cross night services in 10 years. Crossover services, I don't think I've done more than three in 10 years. If I, three in 10 years. How did I manage? Tell me the truth. Why don't you go? I don't, I have not understood the magic of January 1. I just have not understood it. <laughs> if I want to stay overnight, it should be on my best day. <laughs> so this is my new bed. You must not meet me asleep. <laughs> I pray into the new year. Now, I'm trying to say something. So most Christians, listen, the truth is that they don't love God's word. They are very religious. So I said to the Lord, please, none of that for me. And I said, a sign that somebody loves the word of God is how the person goes for it. Mike Mudo said, pursuit is a proof of desire. You can't sit at home and say, I love the word of God. Where will it come from? You know where they are serving it. But you can't climb three stairs, a flight of stairs. That place is too high. Why is your pastor not teaching by the roadside? People give you all kinds of excuses. So I said, no, Lord, let's not even go near there. Secondly, now, I'm not here teaching on marriage, all right? But just let explain some principles. I picked another principle. I said, <laughs> I saw generally in the society, this, the society lied to us and said, man and woman, they are equal. Pastor Banker, you see, some people are inferior to others. I didn't say so. Girl and boy are equal. Husband and wife are not. Did you catch that revelation? 
While you are yet single, you are in court with all the brothers in your fellowship. Once you marry one of them, of course, Buhari and me, are we equal? Yes. He's a man, I'm a man. He has a head, I have a head. But when it's coming to town, they, don't clo- they close the road. When I'm going to town, they don't close the road. I join the ghost slow like everybody else. Why? He occupies an office I don't occupy. He is the head of state. That's all. There's nothing, it's not as if he's spiritually superior to me. No, he is the head of state. Yesterday I was in my office, we're having an exam. And my dean walked in. And we all stood up to greet him. Before he became dean, he's on the road. Oh boy, how now? That's how we used to greet. We just shake his hand. We talk normally. But once he became the dean, when he entered the office, we stood up to greet him. And some of the people there, standing up to greet him, alright, were older than him, but he's the dean. So you just respect the office. According to the Bible, he's the ruler of the people. That is why this equality thing, know how to fight. Look, single boy, single girl, they are equal. Husband and wife, they are not. Why? Husband and wife is not a human being's name. Or they are not human beings' names. There are offices. So, again, I looked and I said, Lord, all these are your daughters, I love them. But anyone that is disrespectful by nature, that will not change, please spare me. I don't have the time. I asked the Lord, read my book. Should I say yes? I said it inside there. My second, that was the third. The second was that this one that I'm called to ministry. If your wife does not believe you are called, believe me, you are going to have problems. You will have problems. I was teaching in Wari where I'm coming from. I said, ministry is sacrifice. Don't say because I was an oil company worker, I resigned, I began to preach. So ministry must pay me what I was being paid in my oil company. No, jobs have changed. Now, what am I going to say? If your wife does not believe you are called, and you dare <laughs> reduce the family income because you say you have a calling, I, I hope you are getting my point. So I said, Lord, please. My wife must believe that I'm called and I can teach. And there's nothing as bad as somebody you're supposed to teach who thinks that she should be the one teaching you. You finish talking, you say, I've heard what you said, but this is my viewpoint. Just know that you're, you're in trouble. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> now, why am I saying all of these things? Those were the ideas I formed with God's word, not, because, not personal desire. As per, uh, I like my wife to be this height is not in the Bible. It has nothing to do with your calling in life. It doesn't have it. So when you draw a picture and put it on the wall, you are engaging in spiritualism. Your desires are not formed by the word of God. The difference between spiritualism and spirituality is that one is formed by other ideas. One is based purely upon the revelation of the word of God. But what we are teaching is that let's be careful. Because if we focus our minds, if we focus our thoughts, all right, on things, they will come to pass. And when they come to pass, every trouble attached to it will follow. How do we practice spirituality? It's simple. The meditation is not on an object, it's on God's word. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. We pass everything through God. I said something last time, when you hear a man went to a babalao, and he got results. He practiced real spiritual laws. The only thing is that they bypass the person of Christ. Are you getting my point? They do. They bypass the person of Christ. 
And that's one thing about life. Anything you want to interpret from God's word, make sure it's interpreted through the person of Christ also. That is when you are practicing true spirituality. Can I draw my desire on the wall? I don't think so. You present your desire to God. Let your request be made known to God. What do you put on the wall? It's in the scriptures. This word that I'm commanding you today shall first be in your heart and your mind and you shall sharpen and wet them so as to make them penetrate into the hearts of your children. One of the things you do, you write them on your doorpost. You want to put something on the wall, it's the word of God. Are you getting my point? Listen, your focus, your meditation every time must be God's word. Nothing else. I've ever said that you meditate and say, in 10 years, this is where I will be. And every day you think about it. Wake up in the morning, think about it. In 10 years, I'm going to do this. Think about it, think about it. I'm just telling you stories. I'm here to teach you today. God is tired of it. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. God didn't give you dates. You can't set the dates. You read all kinds of books. Other Steve Covio. Give me names. Anthony Robbins. Napoleon Hill. There are a lot of them there. And they teach you these principles. And they come and tell you, everybody, look, even unbelievers know it and it works. If unbelievers know it and it works for them, it's spiritualism. For it to be true spirituality, only by faith in Christ do we download the grace. I hope you are getting my point. They will teach you, have business plans, put it on the wall, and look at it every day, and begin to speak to yourself. This is what I will accomplish. Is it evil in itself? No. It's a natural law of life. It does not tap grace for you. It's a natural law of life. It doesn't bring grace into your life. It doesn't help you discover what God wants you to do. In fact, that focus can take you away from what God wants you to do. If I write that on the wall every day and say that I have the, I have the, this ministry has the biggest church in town, and I've got Bishop, I'll call Bishop, designed for me the finest cathedral. Acoustically perfect, aesthetically impeccable. <laughs> Draw it, make it look like it's on the Temple Mount. Yes, he will do it. He will draw it. Give me the 3D of it. I will put it on the, wall, on, on the, on the, on the table. Every day we look, I walk around it. This thing, you will come to be. You will come to pass. Don't worry, you are going to come to pass. You know the truth? You know the truth? What will happen? It will come to pass. But that may be your grave. When it finishes coming to pass, God will have prepared a very nice sepulcher for you in the, what they call the, the antrum. As you enter, I say, that's where Pastor Banky was buried. It will come to pass, but God said, that's going to be at the cost of your life. Why? I didn't pour my grace to bring it to pass. Be careful the dream you focus on every day. Faith was not given to bring to pass your own personal dreams. Do Christians have desires? Yes. What do they do with desires? They present them to God. What do they focus on every day? They focus every day on the word of God. They activate God's promises. You know the truth? These things are very tempting. When the man starts telling you, I believed God for this car. And every day I was looking at it, I was declaring it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. After 18 months, it came to pass. You're tempted because, you know, human beings generally, we like to have control. You know, you, we like to have control. Have you ever, if you're, if you're a driver, you know what I'm saying. If you're not used to people driving you. When you are driving, 
in your own car, you'll be overspeeding. 150 kilometers an hour, you feel comfortable. Then somebody else is driving at the same speed. You say, why are you overspeeding? <laughs> you know the difference? Now you are not in control. When you had control, you saw nothing wrong with the speed. That's human nature. We like to have control. We like to say, this is the kind of car I want, and I get it. But one of the things God wants to do in our lives is to make us lose control. Give him the control. Listen, I've experienced it in life. It's not only what you ask God for that he gives. Many things you didn't ask for, he gives. Solomon did not ask for money, he got it. Solomon did not ask for long life, he got it. Solomon did not ask for the life of his enemies, he got it. Why? Because he asked God for the right thing. Let's bear it in mind. It's not only what we ask God for that he gives. And that's the discipline of Christianity. For us to be able to allow God to actually control our lives and control our destiny. Except God gives a clear-cut revelation that go, build this ark, like he said to Noah. You don't draw, any nothing, you don't draw anything on your wall. Except he gives a clear-cut diagram to Moses. You don't draw any temple on your wall. What do you do? You build the normal altar we are used to. Offer a normal sacrifice we are used to. Give God thanks and worship him and walk. Just leave it there. Go about your everyday business. Let me say something to you again. The major problem we have is that we don't realize two things. One thing, actually, two ways. That God thinks and he has a plan. We often look at that God's only plan is holiness. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The only plan for your life is that you will not commit adultery, you won't work in fornication and lying and cheating. Beyond that, he doesn't know how to plan businesses. As for businesses, that's left to the business school, to Dangote or Tedola. Alright? So that is why we are so eager to buy business books. We don't realize that God actually plans businesses. Let me say something to you. God actually has an investment he wants you to make which you don't know about yet. God knows the next technology. You know, the other day my wife and I were talking about these things at home. He said, in this life, there's no plan you can make because we, we drove past somewhere and we saw businesses that are closed. Are you getting my point? I said, ah, this business was thriving you know, until this road was built. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then the road bypassed that area and this one's closed. Now, Wow. You know, I told you before that, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, we all know anyway, we all know the story of Nokia. Nokia was the, one of the most profitable companies in the world. The MD actually committed the sin of Nebuchadnezzar. And God shut them down. When, they were doing, when Apple started with smartphones, he, said, he made the statement that we decide the direction of telecommunications in the world. He made a statement that we decide the direction of mobile telephony on this earth. You know why? He thought that Apple, when Apple released, what do you call it, the iPhone, it was expensive. He was so sure that nobody is going to make smartphones commonplace. Apple did not release the first smartphone, you must understand that. They, Nokia has smartphones. How many people remember Nokia Communicator? Nokia Communicator was a working computer. But Nobody factored in the fact that the Asians were going to bring in low-priced smartphones. Once that one came into the picture, Nokia died. Why am I saying this? 
God plans businesses. God can tell you, say, all your shares in Nokia, sell them. Meanwhile, you are, driven, you are written on the wall that in 10 years, I'm going to build my shares in Nokia to this particular level that I will become a director of the African wing. But God just said, my girl, come, come, okay, come. In two years, thus says the Lord, this company shall be no more. There is no way human beings can plot anything. I don't know whether you are getting the point I'm making. It is just totally impossible. I'm going to an issue here. Don't think that God only knows how to plan holiness and how to walk in righteousness. No. God writes business plans. And eyes have not yet seen the one he wrote for you. I don't know whether you are getting the point I'm making. Eyes haven't seen the one he wrote for you. Now, if the whole world is making us make Steve Jobs look like as if he's a genius that the world hasn't seen before, I laugh about the whole thing. You know why? Just give it another five years. Apple will struggle to survive. Just watch it now. Why? I don't know. God brings another technology. And in that technology, phones as powerful as the iPhones of today will be going for $100. It will become so cheap the company will not be able to make $5 per handset. Do you know somebody can wake up tomorrow? Why am I talking business? Do you know the country can write a law? Outlaw, they can just decide that only you using OS is anti-competitive. Do you know that? You using iOS, they can just decide. You, government will just, the way God does things, somebody will just make noise. How come other phones can't go to the iTunes store? It goes to court. The court decides that this is wrong. They will fight, fight, fight until they get to Supreme Court. Supreme Court will side with the government and say it's anti-competitive. So from now on, every iOS release must be available to at least two other companies. And the moment you do that, that's the Chinese people will come in and finish your whole life for you. That is. <laughs> you know why? God rules in the affairs of men. Why am I saying all of these things? So, you see, we really can't plot. That's my emphasis. We can't. But we can allow God to choose our inheritance. We can. Now, I'm going to say the same thing in two ways. Remember I said that. First, we think God doesn't think. Secondly, we don't realize that the world is actually alive. What does that mean? When I speak God's word and I meditate on it alone, and that's the only thing I paint on my wall, it can give me the best wife that I did not even realize was available on the earth. I did not draw her on the wall. It can get me the car I did not know I could afford. Why? I didn't draw a particular photograph on the wall. I just presented my needs to God. When I'm praying for something, I've learned that one over the last few years. Even though temptations have come to change your mind, say, why you haven't got it, you did not focus. I say, I refuse to focus on anything but the word of God. And be careful as believers, focus only on Christ. Paul made it clear, I've presented nothing for you to focus on, apart from Christ and him crucified. This is how I make my request known to God. I decide what the real request is. What am I real request? Assuming I need a car. Like Chris Delvan said, God doesn't give cars, God gives transportation. So that if you are not going anywhere, He won't give you. It's only if you need to move from one place to the other. I want to digress. Can I digress? I just real- I told you that we're just coming from worry. We finished the meeting. The pastor said, nobody should follow Pastor Banky to greet him. 
he announced that no, 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 please, please, any information you need, we will supply it. Let him go, let him go, let him go. We rushed downstairs. And Yinka was driving like, because I said, we must, get here, we must get back here. We are supposed to travel again tomorrow. Just that things changed a bit, all right? Otherwise, I will, will drive four hours tomorrow for me to go and preach for one hour. And then drive back on Monday for another four hours. That's why men fly private. And God, you must understand something with the Lord. 5,000 era to him is exactly the same value as $5 million. Like if you put 5,000 here and $5 million here, God can't see the difference. Because with a breath, it produces each one. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. And back to what I'm trying to say about how I make my request. So I make my request these days based on the real need. I don't know whether I get the point. Based on the real need. If I need to move about, my request is based on, Lord, I need to move about. So I'm asking you for a car. These are the things I want it to do. I found out that God knows models of cars I don't know. It is this spiritualism that says, except you name the model, God can't bring it. It's not true. God thinks. The world thinks. The world is alive. The car I drive to today, when I bought it, you know the way the country has been for a long time? Most people buy used cars, you know that. 